The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your online privacy today at expressvpn.com slash Ben. There is no substitute for American strength, and there is no justification for American weakness. That's what the world has been finding out over the course of Joe Biden's presidency. When Joe Biden entered office, Iran was under heavy sanctions and its proxies increasingly impoverished. The Abraham Accords were beginning to consolidate a powerful anti-Iranian Sunni Jewish alliance with Saudi Arabia widely assumed to be the next shoe to drop. Afghanistan had not been surrendered to the Taliban. Ukraine had not been invaded by Russia. Less than three full years into Joe Biden's term, Iran has been emboldened and its proxies strengthened. All of this is linked to the Biden administration's decision to seek a deal with Iran involving the unfreezing of funds and the freeing up of Iranian oil flow as well as the Biden administration's early attempts to marginalize the Saudi government. And so, two weeks ago, Iranian-backed terrorist group Hamas launched the worst attack against Jews since the Holocaust. Hezbollah, another Iranian proxy which effectively controls Lebanon and has at least 150,000 sophisticated rockets aimed at Israel's north, has been firing sporadic rockets into Israel's north as well. Thanks to Hamas's attacks on Israel and Israel's necessary response, the Saudis have now tabled talks regarding normalization with the Jewish state, and things are getting worse. Just yesterday, the Iran-backed Houthis, who have seized control of much of Yemen's north, fired three missiles at Israel, and America had to shoot them down using a carrier in the region. Here is Brigadier General Pat Ryder, Pentagon Press Secretary, explaining just what happened. By posturing these U.S. naval assets and advanced fighter aircraft in the region, we aim to send a strong message intended to deter a wider conflict, to bolster regional stability, and of course, to make it clear that we will protect and defend our national security interests. To that end, the crew of the guided missile destroyer USS Kearney, operating in the Northern Red Sea earlier today, shot down three land attack cruise missiles and several drones that were launched by Houthi forces in Yemen. This action was a demonstration of the integrated air and missile defense architecture that we have built in the Middle East and that we are prepared to utilize whenever necessary to protect our partners and our interests in this important region. There were no casualties to U.S. forces and none that we know of to any civilians on the ground. Information about these engagements is still being processed. Uh, we cannot say for certain what these missiles and drones were targeting, but they were launched from Yemen, heading north along the Red Sea, potentially towards targets in Israel. Remember, it was Joe Biden's administration that delisted the Houthis those are the people who just fired those missiles, as a terrorist group in 2021, despite the fact that their charming slogan runs, quote, death to America, death to Israel, curse the Jews, victory to Islam. It doesn't rhyme, but you can see what it's saying. Also yesterday, Iranian-backed forces launched a drone attack on a military base in southern Syria where U.S. troops have a presence. One drone was down, but another caused minor injuries. The base is located, according to the Times of Israel, at a sensitive juncture often used by Iranian-backed jihadists to ferry weapons to the Hezbollah terror group. That same day, Syrian opposition activists said that drones were used to attack an oil facility housing American troops in the region. And that isn't all. On Thursday night, according to the Jerusalem Post, drones and rockets targeted the Ain al-Assad airbase, which hosts U.S. and other international forces in western Iraq, and multiple blasts were heard inside the base. This is Iran testing the United States without question. And so last night, Joe Biden had a really important job. He had to reestablish America's credibility, particularly in the Middle East. He had to show Iran and its proxies that America would not allow the region to spin into chaotic violence. He had to demonstrate strength of will. He had to show he would not be sidetracked onto other issues and that he wasn't under the misimpression he could simply throw money at his enemies. By early indicators, President Biden has failed. Last night, he gave a discombobulated and confused speech, a bizarre mix of solid promises to back Israel against Hamas and off-topic promises with regard to additional aid to Ukraine. 
strange blatherings about American Islamophobia combined with a weird utterance regarding the necessity of a Palestinian state. It wasn't particularly reassuring for anyone, which means in all likelihood that Iran will continue testing the United States. They will continue to poke and prod and up the ante in the expectation that Joe Biden is bluffing and will fold. And here's the real problem. No one really knows if they are right, including maybe Joe Biden. Right now, on the northern border of Israel, Hezbollah is mobilizing. According to the Wall Street Journal, Israel ordered the evacuation of a city close to the Lebanese border, reflecting the Israeli military's growing concern that a second front could open up to the north as it continues its bombing campaign in Gaza, including a strike on a church compound overnight. Now, by the way, that strike on the church compound, which was originally reported by Hamas, it turns out it wasn't a strike on a church. It was a place near a church. As always, Hamas, they lie. Israel on Friday also released more details about the hostages captured by Hamas. Israel's defense ministry said residents of Kiryat Shmona, a city of 22,000 people, will be moved to guest houses now provided by the state. Israeli forces and Lebanon's Hezbollah have been exchanging fire continuously in recent days. Now, Hezbollah may be attempting to up the ante in the north to draw troop presence away from the Gaza Strip, or they may be testing, seeing how far they can go without the Americans getting involved. Hezbollah has been attacking IDF posts. Yesterday, two Hezbollah members were killed and one moderately hurt. Israeli tank shells were preparing attacks. There were drones that were hitting mortar-launching cells as well. So things are heating up on Israel's northern front. All of that is happening because Iran is testing everywhere from Iraq to Syria to Yemen. They're testing literally everywhere in the region to see how far they can push before they get pushed back, which is precisely what you would expect from a regime that believes that its opposition is weak. And so that means that it's up to the West to demonstrate strength. Obviously, what that means for Israel is they need to destroy Hamas wholesale. Without a doubt, everyone agrees on this. Hamas has to go. If Hamas were to survive, the existential threat to the state of Israel is quite real. Not just because Hamas would continue to exist in the Gaza Strip and continue to prepare further terror attacks, but also because this would inflame the Palestinian Authority and Islamic Jihad to start to increase the violence in the so-called West Bank, Judea and Samaria. And it would prompt Hezbollah to increase its violence in the north, providing Israel with a three-front war. If Israel is prompted into that three-front war, by the way, Israel will have to strike back with all of its strength, which would presumably prompt the entry of Syria and Iran into any sort of war which would prompt American intervention. So if you wish this thing to slow down, if you wish for this thing to cool down, what you need is for Israel to be given a free hand to destroy Hamas in the Gaza Strip while making clear to the rest of the region, particularly Iranian proxies, that if they get involved, they too will be destroyed. And in a second, I want to give you the latest from the situation in Gaza because it's becoming increasingly clear what has to happen over there. And then we'll get to Joe Biden's speech from the Oval Office last night again. It was meant to be a speech of strength and resilience. And instead, it was confused. It was discombobulated. It was off topic. It was very weird. He said some good things. And he said a lot of things that were either irrelevant or were an attempt to essentially cram a crap sandwich down the throats of the American people in terms of spending. We'll get to that momentarily first. I want to talk to you about DailyWire's most trusted privacy partner and premier sponsor of this show, ExpressVPN. Going online without ExpressVPN, well, it's like using your smartphone without that protective case. You're probably fine for a while. And then one day your kid is playing with your phone, drops the phone, cracks. Not that this has ever happened to me or anything. Well, every time you connect to an unencrypted network in cafes, hotels, or airports, your online data is not secure in exactly the same way. Any hacker on the same network can access and steal your personal data, such as your passwords or your financial details. It doesn't take a lot of technical knowledge to hack somebody. Anybody could do it with some cheap hardware, which is why you need ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet, so hackers can't actually steal your sensitive data. 
I love how easy ExpressVPN is to use. You don't have to be tech savvy at all. You hit one button, you download it, you hit one button, it is now activated. Secure your online data today at expressvpn.com slash Shapiro. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Shapiro. Get three months for free. Visit expressvpn.com slash Shapiro to learn more. Again, that's expressvpn.com slash Shapiro to learn more and get started today. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, with inflation on the rise, 20 bucks barely gets you anything these days. In most restaurants, you can't get a burger and fries for under that. How about it like at the gas pump? Well, you might be able to get like a quarter of a gallon or something. I mean, like really, gas is getting very expensive. But from my cell phone company, Pure Talk, you can get unlimited talk, text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. Pure Talk gives you the same quality of service as your current cell phone provider, but for half the cost. I want to ensure you heard that. This is top-tier coverage on America's most dependable 5G network for half the cost of other carriers. The average family will save almost 1000 bucks a year, all with no contracts and no activation fees. You can switch to Pure Talk with the phone and phone number you currently use, or you can take advantage of their great deals on the latest iPhones and Androids. Making the switch is incredibly easy. Their U.S. customer service team can help you join Pure Talk in as little as 10 minutes. Choose to spend your hard-earned money with a wireless company that shares your values, supports our military and veterans, a company that creates American jobs and refuses to advertise on fake news networks. Don't spend another day spending ridiculous amounts of money on your phone plan. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Right now, my listeners can get an additional 50% off their very first month of coverage. That's puretalk.com slash Shapiro. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, a child's life is molded by his or her home, school, friends, community. A positive experience in all these areas helps build a healthy child. Cars for Kids, that's Cars with a K, is a registered nonprofit organization aimed at giving children the tools to succeed in life. If you have a car that's just sitting in your driveway, taking up space, you should consider donating it to Cars for Kids. You know Cars for Kids, they've got that jingle, right? The 1-877-CARS-FOR-KIDS-K-R-S, you know it. If you're tired of looking at that old car in your driveway or hearing your spouse complain about it, why not let Cars for Kids take care of it for you? Here's how it works. Visit their website at carsforkids.org slash Ben. Let them take care of it from there. The whole process only takes two minutes. Cars for Kids will schedule a pickup at a time that's convenient for you. If you don't have a car, you can still help. Cars for Kids accepts non-cash donations of school supplies, clothing, sports equipment, and more. So what exactly are you waiting for? Call now or visit carsforkids.org slash Ben to get the ball rolling today. That's Cars of the K, the number four, at carsforkids.org slash Ben. That's carsforkids.org slash Ben. Okay, so the situation in the Gaza Strip continues to be disastrous for the Israelis. There's still up to 200 people still unaccounted for. Unclear how many of those people are dead. Israel is every day discovering bodies that have mutilated beyond recognition still in the south of Israel. This is why whenever you see Hamas issue statistics like 500 dead at a hospital, by the way, it ended up being like 10, according to the Europeans, from a rocket fired by Palestinian Islamic Jihad, just to put a cap on how many lies Hamas tells and what an extraordinary clip they, they tell those lies. Israel is still digging bodies out of the rubble. And so it could be that there are 200 people who are hostages, or it could be that there are 100 people who are hostages and 100 of those people are dead and burned beyond all recognition. At least 30 children are among the confirmed Gaza hostages, according to the IDF. So we should recall that because everybody seems to believe that they're under the weird misimpression that we don't have a massive hostage crisis. By the way, worse than the Iranian hostage crisis in the sense that these are these are actually like small toddlers. They're sm small children, women who are almost assuredly being raped. The rest of the world is ignoring that, calling for a ceasefire. And by the rest of the world, I really mean the, the international left. A lot of governments are, are acknowledging that Israel has to do what it has to do in order to take out Hamas at this point, including the European parliament, shockingly enough. The, um, the Gaza Strip, again, continues to be a source of rocket fire. So apparently they've run out of electricity and water, but not rockets. They continue to fire those rockets. Israel 
is, is faced with a, a basic choice. And that is, do they wait to go in until they have thoroughly devastated the areas surrounding the tunnels such that they can blow up the tunnels and thus save thousands of Israeli lives? Or do they go along with the international community, put a thousand soldiers into basically Somalia, a Black Hawk Down scenario where they're just walking through heavily crowded urban terrain with high buildings with terrorists in them and terror supporters in them and terror sympathizers in them. So there has been a lot of conflict inside the Israeli government over exactly the timing on this thing. You have former Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, for example, who's been saying that Israel needs to crush its opposition and that's going to take time. And so if Israel needs to wait to do that until the IAF can do everything that it can do to clear the ground, then it should absolutely do that. That seems to be the prevailing thought among more Israeli members of government these days. And I think that that's the right thought, by the way. If it were America, I'd be saying obviously the same thing I have said, obviously the same thing. I don't like the idea of American troops going to heavily crowded areas with lots of terrorists in them in the mistaken impression that minimizing civilian casualties is in some way more important than the lives of American soldiers. That is, that is not correct. And the reality is that any country worth its salt has to protect its soldiers. You have to give them rules of engagement that they are capable of carrying forth effectively and sacrificing blood in order to protect civilians that are being used as human shields by terrorists is a bad strategy. It gives the upper hand to the terrorists, obviously. So Israel may continue the bombing campaign for a while. That presumably is why Hezbollah is kind of broiling up in the north. In any case, Israel is still warning the possibility of a ground invasion may be imminent. According to the Times of Israel, senior Israeli officials talked up the prospect of that imminent large-scale ground campaign in the Gaza Strip to root out the Hamas terror group Thursday, making a series of visits to IDF soldiers stationed near the territory, predicting the fighting will be difficult, long, and intense. Defense Minister Yoav Gallant told troops near Gaza the order to enter the Hamas-run Palestinian enclave would come soon. He said, you see now Gaza from afar, soon you will see it from the inside, the order will come. Now, it is quite possible that that's a misdirect by the Israeli government, that what they are saying at this point is not true. Because what they want Hamas to believe is that the ground invasion is imminent. So get all the civilians out of the way in the sense that we, the ones we can't use as, as shields are going to be an obstacle to us killing Israeli soldiers to get them out of the way. That is a possibility. It's also possible a ground invasion is imminent. Not clear exactly what's happening. One thing is clear. Israel must get rid of Hamas. And this conflict should be contained. Now, that was supposedly the purpose of Joe Biden's speech last night. So Joe Biden gave his second Oval Office address of his presidency. And again, the idea here is to project support for Israel, strength in the face of terrorism. That's really all it's about. Showing deterrent strength to Iran's proxies and Iran to contain the conflict and making clear that Israel is going to have the material necessary in order to eviscerate Hamas from planet Earth. By the way, a secondary conversation is going to have to be had by the Israeli government about what to do about Hezbollah in the North, because Hezbollah, obviously, after watching what's happened, over the course of the last couple of weeks, cannot be allowed to remain in southern Lebanon either because they're firing rockets at Israel and have 150,000 rockets pointed at Israel that would take out 20 to 30,000 Jews if they were all fired. So Israel's going to have to do something about Hezbollah. President Biden, correctly for American interests, is saying we don't want that border heating up or things are going to get very hot very quickly. But Israel in the future is going to have to do something about that northern border. And everybody knows it. It's beginning to emerge exactly what Israel wants to do about Gaza. It's exactly what I've suggested, a, de a demilitarized zone that is significant in territory all around the Gaza Strip. And then a new security regime inside Gaza capable of allowing the Israelis to actually go in and target terrorists in the same way that Israel still has the ability to go target terrorists in large scale cities with huge terrorist presence like Jenin in the West Bank, Judea and Samaria. In a second, we'll get to Joe Biden's speech and we'll see if he actually hit his marks. We'll get to that in a moment. First, we take prayer really, really seriously in the Jewish community. Well, regardless of your religion, you need a little more peace in your life and hallow 
is an incredible app that offers a unique approach to prayer and meditation. Unlike other meditation apps, Hallow is tailored specifically for people of faith to deepen their relationship with God. The Hallow app is filled with studies, meditations, and reflections rooted in Judeo-Christian prayer practices. You can pray alongside Mark Wahlberg, Jonathan Rumi, who portrays Jesus in The Chosen, even some world-class athletes. You can access the number one Christian podcast, The Bible in a Year, with Father Mike Schmitz on Hallow. With features like progress tracking and streaks, Hallow helps you stay motivated and make prayer a regular part of your daily routine. Set prayer reminders. Invite others to pray with you. Track your progress along the way. Again, we in the Jewish community, we pray three times a day minimum. And I got to tell you, without that, I'd be going totally insane right now. If you are looking to deepen your relationship with God and improve your mental and emotional well-being, try Hallow for three months free at Hallow.com slash Shapiro. Again, that's Hallow.com slash Shapiro. Okay, so last night, Joe Biden gives his Oval Office address. Starts a little bit late. And then he gets started. The beginning of the speech is totally fine. And then as we'll see, it goes off the rails because Joe Biden's strategy, instead of being the twofold strategy that I am talking about, provide Israel the material that it needs in order to destroy Hamas and contain the conflict with deterrence, right? Those, that's the only two things he needed to do last night. Instead of doing that, he decided that he was going to somehow link Israel aid and Ukraine aid. He was going to make two thirds of the speech about Ukraine, which makes no sense at all on any geopolitical level. That makes no sense at all. You can make the case for Ukraine. I've made the case for Ukraine aid. I believe that a continuing military aid package to Ukraine sufficient to prevent the Russians from moving into further Ukrainian territory would be good. I've also suggested that there needs to be some sort of off-ramp there because everybody knows this is a frozen conflict and the lines of conflict are not changing very much despite the amount of material being poured in. So if something can be negotiated that just hardens those lines and, and we move on with our lives, that would probably be a good thing. With that said, continued aid until that point is reached would be a good thing. What in the hell does that have to do with Israel fighting back a terrorist threat on its own borders in real time? Why are those two things linked? Now, you can make the case that those things are linked because they have the same opposition. And that's a fair point. Iran, Russia, they're basically on the same side. However, the, the urgency of the moment is being generated not by the situation in Ukraine. Remember, that urgent situation arose a year ago. It's strange. It's, it's like connecting what happened on 9-11 with America's conflict with, with China or something. Like, like yes. Many bad things happen on the planet at once. These things are not linked. And one of the problems with linking them up is that all the people who are not supportive of aid to Ukraine are now going to be forced into the same boat as people who are supportive of, of aid of Israel. Joe Biden is trying to wrap everything into a nice bow here. And, and just it, it doesn't work on any sort of intellectual level. And, and he's also in this speech minimizing exactly the threat that Israel faces, which is not useful. So we'll go through it. He starts off by pointing out the, the correct and obvious that Hamas is evil. The terrorist group Hamas unleashed pure, unadulterated evil in the world. But sadly, the Jewish people know perhaps better than anyone that there is no limit to the depravity of people when they want to inflict pain on others. <clears throat> in Israel, I saw people who are strong, determined, resilient, and also angry, in shock, and in deep, deep pain. Okay, that would be correct, obviously. But then he moved into this weird nether region, this weird gray region where he starts talking about the two-state solution and the peace process. Dude, Israel just got hit with the worst terror attack since the Holocaust. I'm pretty sure that Hamas needs to be wiped off the map. There ain't no two-state solution there. When it comes to the Palestinian Authority and Islamic Jihad, there ain't no two-state solution there either. Those are the governing parties in Judea and Samaria, the so-called West Bank. And in fact... As I will show you, the Palestinian Authority is fully supportive of Hamas's mission to destroy the state of Israel. So where exactly is the two-state salute? What is he even jabbering about? Now, maybe you could say tactically what he's attempting to do is cool the waters a little bit. 
that he what he's attempting to do is throw a sop to many of the Arab states in the region. Don't worry, the United States is going to still put pressure on Israel, so you should let Israel do what they need to do. Maybe strategically, that's what he's doing. If I were to look at it in the most positive possible light for President Biden, sure. Or he could have just shut the hell up because this is not the time to talk about a quote-unquote two-state solution in the middle of genocidal Jew-hating murderers murdering 1,500 Jews and their buddies over in the West Bank rallying in their support, which is exactly what's happening right now. Here is Joe Biden. I also spoke with President Abbas, the Palestinian Authority, and reiterated the United States remains committed to the Palestinian people's right to dignity and to self-determination. The actions of Hamas terrorists don't take that right away. Like so many other, I'm heartbroken by the tragic loss of Palestinian life, including the explosion at the hospital in Gaza, which was not done by the Israelis. We mourn every innocent life lost. We can't ignore the humanity of innocent Palestinians who only want to live in peace and have an opportunity. Okay, what he should have said then is, and the only way that can happen is if Hamas goes, but he didn't do that. By the way, this is a lie. Okay, when he is saying here that there is a full, full scale separation between, say, the Palestinian Authority and Hamas or between the population of the Gaza Strip and Hamas. It's like a few bad apples in the Gaza Strip and the rest of the people just totally disagree with Hamas. There is no evidence to back that. None. In fact, obviously, there's tons of footage of civilians from Gaza running into the kibbutzim, stealing things and taking part in the violence. Doesn't mean that everyone there deserves to die in some sort of Israeli airstrike. It doesn't mean that there can't be some sort of eventual deal that might be able to be cut with a brand new leadership and a transformed population not indoctrinated with several generations of Jew hatred. Sure, maybe sometime in the future. That time is not now. In fact, when he says things like the Palestinian Authority, yeah, I'm telling I'm telling Mahmoud Abbas that that the Palestinian peace process is still on the table. Mahmoud Abbas paid three million dollars to the terrorists who perpetrated this attack. He has a pay for slave program. It is still fully in place. It's against American law for us to deploy that money. Doesn't matter. Palestinian Authority is still paying the families of terrorists a monthly stipend forever if they killed a Jew. It's not just that. I'll present you with evidence in just one second of what the Palestinian Authority, the so-called peace party in this whole routine, have been saying and what they are going to say today at their mosques. First, the October 15th tax deadline just passed. I know many of you might be dreading the stress of filing your taxes. Well, filing taxes, it can be a long, excruciating process. I know I do it every year. If you fail to file, you will start to pile penalties on that tax debt. That is why you need to check out Tax Network USA. The team at Tax Network USA has a track record of success. They've reduced tax debts for numerous clients, totaling over $1 billion. Whether you're looking at a $10,000 or a $1 million tax debt, they can help you with a settlement. It doesn't matter if you haven't filed in one year, five years, or even a whole decade. Tax Network USA is equipped to secure the best settlement for you. The expert attorneys and tax professionals at Tax Network USA can help resolve all tax cases, no matter how they started. Don't let tax debt control your life any longer. It can completely take over your life, ruin your life. Take the first step toward resolving your tax issues by visiting taxnetworkusa.com slash Shapiro. That's taxnetworkusa.com slash Shapiro today. Again, work on controlling that tax debt with our friends over at taxnetworkusa.com slash Shapiro and get your tax issues under control today. Okay, so the Palestinian Authority, those are, those are the good guys, according to Joe Biden. Those are, the, those are the moderates. So an official document that the Palestinian Authority just issued to every mosque within its control to, to give its, its sort of Friday sermons Here is what it says. It says, apparently, there's a document published this morning. You can see it in the Arabic here. 
by the Ministry of Endowments and the Palestinian Authority and revealed by research departments of the Jewish Voice and Regavi movement, details a series of instructions and messages for Friday sermons, among them strongly anti-Semitic inciting messages, including the famous Hadith quotation, quote, the hour will not come until the Muslims fight the Jews and the Muslims kill them, until the Jew hides behind the stones and the trees and the stones of the trees say, O Muslim, O servant of Allah, this is a Jew behind me, come kill him. That's literally what the Palestinian Authority is telling its mosques to say today. Those are the moderates that Joe Biden is saying Israel must cut a peace deal with in the middle of a, of a crisis spurred by genocidal Jew hatred. And the great lie of the Palestinian peace process since onset has been that you can negotiate your way into peace with people who literally want to exterminate you. That is not the same thing as a territorial dispute. Any moron who compares this to the so-called troubles in Ireland, any, anybody who, who compares this to one party having a territorial dispute with another party, religiously based, but yes, a dispute that can be solved territorially, that is not even remotely what you're talking about here. You have one party openly calling for the genocide of the other party and the rest of the world going, well, maybe we can diplomacy our way into this thing. Yeah, good luck. It's worked out amazing over the past 30 years. By the way, anyone with half a brain could have told you from the very beginning Oslo was destined to fail because, again, you cannot negotiate with genocidal terrorists. I don't know why this is so hard to, for anyone to understand. It's why, again, maybe, maybe the best case you can make for Joe Biden is he's trying to be tactical here to minimize conflict, to cool the, to cool the temperature. But he could have also just shut the hell up because he's wrong on this, just dead wrong. Then he decided to link this with Ukraine. Now, again, utterly superfluous. No reason whatsoever to do this. The conflict in Ukraine has its own logic. The conflict in Ukraine has its own rationale. It's also been going for a year and a half at this point. For 18 months, that conflict has been going. Meanwhile, this conflict just broiled up in the last two weeks and seems significantly more urgent. And yet here is Joe Biden spending half the speech on Ukraine. You know, the assault on Israel echoes nearly 20 months of war, tragedy, and brutality inflicted on the people of Ukraine. People that were very badly hurt since Putin launched his all-out invasion. We've not forgotten the mass graves, the bodies found bearing signs of torture, rape used as a weapon by the Russians, and thousands and thousands of Ukrainian children forcibly taken into Russia, stolen from their parents. It's sick. Hamas and Putin represent different threats, but they share this in common. They both want to completely annihilate a neighboring democracy. Completely annihilate it. Okay, well, I mean, that may be true. It's also true that China wants to annihilate Taiwan. I, I, well, are, are all things the same? What, what is the rationale for connecting these things? Seriously. It turns out the rationale for connecting these things is that Joe Biden wants to now pass a $100 billion package through Congress, most of which will go to Ukraine. Not to Israel. Most of which will go to Ukraine. Now, it may be that Congress, because it's completely dysfunctional, has to pass the crap sandwich as opposed to what Republicans could do in the House if, for example, they had a Speaker of the House, which is issue a single issue bill providing aid to Israel, which is really what needs to happen right now. It may be that the best available bad option is just to get this thing through because the urgency of the situation requires that Israel get the material aid necessary to finish Hamas right now. But that's a pretty cynical play by Joe Biden, obviously. And linking Israel and, and Ukraine Totally unnecessary. The speech last night should about should have been about Iran, Hezbollah, Hamas, the threats to the United States interests in the Middle East. That's what it should have been about. But instead, half the speech was about Ukraine. And now, he um he was trying again. There were two purposes to the speech theoretically. One was stand strong with Israel, and the other is throw the Iranians off the ball and right? push them off the line. And so this part he tried to do. And the question is going to be whether anyone believes him. So in clip five, he talks about why we are not withdrawing and why we're going to try and push Iran off the ball. 
And just two weeks ago, he told the world that if the United States and our allies withdraw, and if the United States withdraw, our allies will as well, military support for Ukraine would have, quote, a week left to live, but we're not withdrawing. I know these conflicts can seem far away. And it's natural to ask, why does this matter to America? So let me share with you why making sure Israel and Ukraine succeed is vital for America's national security. You know, history has taught us that when terrorists don't pay a price for their terror, when dictators don't pay a price for their aggression, they cause more chaos and death and more destruction. They keep going. Okay. Now, again, all of that is true. The question is whether he actually has the deterrent power to do anything about it and whether anyone actually believes him. And I agree with what he's saying right there. I also agree with something he said last night where he said that American leadership holds the world together. That, of course, is true. American leadership does hold the world together. And in the absence of American leadership, the world falls apart. Not everything he said was bad last night. It's just a mishkebobble. It's just a mess. So here he was, this clip seven, talking about American leadership in the world. Again, this part is good. There was a lot of good mixed with bad, which, by the way, is what he's now going to propose to Congress. We'll get to that momentarily. American leadership is what holds the world together. American alliances will keep us, America, safe. American values are what make us a partner that other nations want to work with. To put all that at risk, if we walk away from Ukraine, if we turn our backs on Israel, it's just not worth it. That's why tomorrow I'm going to send to Congress an urgent budget request to fund America's national security needs, to support our critical partners, including Israel and Ukraine. Hey, again, all of that is perfectly well and good. That's, that's, that's totally fine. And then he launches into the truly bad part of his speech. We haven't gotten to the bad part of his speech yet. So the bad part of his speech begins with him talking about how much pressure he's going to put on Israel and how much money he's going to send to Hamas. Not kidding. So here he is talking about how he talked with the leadership of Israel about how they need to operate by the laws of war. So first of all, being lectured on the laws of war while you are under terrorist assault is the most insulting possible thing. Israel spends the lives and the treasure of its citizens to not kill civilians. Hamas is deliberately hiding behind. I mean, again, where, where is this sort of care being taken with any other ally of the United States anywhere on earth? After 7-7, was there a lot of talk about, you know, British human rights? Oh, why is it that when it's Israel, all of a sudden it's like, well, we, we do have to warn those Jews off of their brutality. And it's like, what the hell is wrong with you? Seriously, what the hell is wrong with you? Here's Joe Biden. Again, this is, this is foolishness of the highest order and placed directly into Hamas propaganda. You wonder why the media jumped at that Hamas propaganda nonsense that Israel had bombed a hospital? Maybe it's because the president of the United States pretends that Israel is routinely violating human rights when in fact Israel is a country that on earth, there are only two countries on earth that have this kind of standard for preventing death to civilians, America and Israel. Those are the only ones. And Israel has to do it far more frequently than the United States. Here is Joe Biden. Look, at the same time, President Netanyahu and I discussed again yesterday the critical need for Israel to operate by the laws of war. That means protecting civilians in combat as best as they can. <clears throat> the people of Gaza urgently need food, water, and medicine. Yesterday, in discussions with the leaders of Israel and Egypt, I secured an agreement for the first shipment of humanitarian assistance from the United Nations to Palestinian civilians in Gaza. If Hamas does not divert or steal this shipment, these shipments, we're going to provide an opening for sustained delivery of life-saving humanitarian assistance for the Palestinians. Okay, so what in, okay, question. There's still 200 hostages being held by Hamas in Gaza. Where do you think that money's going to go? 
What distributive mechanism do you have for that money? The answer is they have no distributive mechanism. How do we know that? It's because they're openly admitting it. So, for example, here is a Biden State Department spokesperson explaining, his name is Matt Miller, that sure, Hamas might steal the cash. This is literally yesterday. The concern the Israeli government has, and they've said this publicly, and they certainly said it privately to us, is that any assistance that goes in will be diverted once it's inside Gaza. That there is not a there's not an Israeli military force in Gaza. There's not a UN peacekeeping force in Gaza. The people with guns inside Gaza are Hamas. And so Hamas may try to divert this assistance and keep it from getting to the civilians who, who it is intended for. We think that's a legitimate concern. Uh, we've made clear that this aid needs to go to innocent civilians and not Hamas. We're going to be watching very carefully uh, how it's delivered um, because we want to be sensitive to those concerns, which we share. Oh, well, you're going to be watching carefully. Well, that's, that's, that's important, is that if you watch really carefully, if you use your binoculars from afar, which is what you will be doing, then probably Hamas won't steal that aid. By the way, if you don't believe him, you could also listen to the Biden deputy NSA director, John Finer, who basically said we trust Hamas, you know, the terrorists. Like, well, we'll just give them $100 million. They'll probably be fine. The president pledged $100 million in an aid package to Palestinian civilians, innocent civilians in Gaza and the West Bank. How is the United States going to ensure that none of that ends up in the hands of Hamas? Uh, Getting assistance into Gaza is a complicated undertaking. It involves uh, essentially securing an understanding among uh, Hamas fighters uh, who control the checkpoints on the other side of the border, among uh, the government of Israel and among the government of Egypt. But the question is, from what you just said, is the U.S. then essentially in a position where it has to take the word of Hamas that it will not be taken? I mean, what other guarantee can there be? We believe there is an understanding now among all of the uh, players who control that crossing, the Rafah crossing in, in Egypt. Oh, there's an understanding, is there, with Hamas? Well, th- that, that changes everything, as long as there's an understanding. So again, this is the kind of weakness that invites further terrorism, that invites further exploration of American weakness. Again, Joe Biden kept going along these lines. So again, he kept over and over and over pushing on this two-state solution stuff in the middle of a war against people who are dedicated to Israel's destruction and the murder of Jews. He kept pushing on it like over and over last night. And when that wasn't enough, he then started ripping on American Islamophobia. Yeah, I, I have a question. There, there was a horrible, horrible, evil case of a demented person, an evil person who should get the death penalty killing a six-year-old Palestinian kid in America. That Horrible, evil, condemned by literally everyone. Everyone. Meanwhile, they're in mass protests across the United States on behalf of Hamas. So naturally, Joe Biden is going to put heavy emphasis on Islamophobia in the United States and lecturing the American people that we can't be Islamophobic in this moment. And then reminding us of how Islamophobic we were after 9-11, which is weird because there's not a lot of evidence to suggest mass Islamophobia in the aftermath of 9-11, not by hate crime statistics from the FBI. In any case, here is uh, Joe Biden Again, this is the middle of a speech in the aftermath of the worst terror attack on Jews, the worst slaughter of Jews, the worst pogrom against Jews since the Holocaust, followed by widespread public demonstrations in favor of the massacring, in favor of the terrorists. And Joe Biden's like, well, we do have to worry about how intolerant you, the American people, are. You might be Islamophobic. Watch yourselves. Here was Joe Biden last night. You know, and here at home, we have to be honest with ourselves. In recent years, too much hate has given too much oxygen, fueling racism, the rise of anti-Semitism, Islamic phobia, right here in America. It's also intensified in the wake of recent events that led to the horrific threats and attacks that both shock us and break our hearts. On October 7th, terror attacks have triggered deep scars and terrible memories in the Jewish community. Today, 
Jewish families worried about being targeted in school, wearing symbols of their face walking down the street, or going out about their daily lives. And I know many of you in the Muslim American community, the Arab American community, the Palestinian American community, and so many others are outraged and hearted, saying to yourselves, here we go again with Islamophobia and distrust we saw. Oh, I know that's my chief worry today. I know that as uh, as the Jewish people are under existential threat in Israel, my deep worry is that there are offended Palestinian Americans in America who are marching with Hamas flags. I know that that is is deeply worrying to me. By the way, what he's saying about the Jewish community in the United States, that's 100% true. Every Jew that I know in the state of Florida is arming up. Every single one, without exception. I spent part of yesterday at a gun range. The entirety of people at the gun range were Orthodox Jews, all of them. There's a reason for that. And it's because Hamas has called for global terror and Hezbollah has called for global terror. And there is a DHS notification that has gone out globally to basically everybody about the rise in this. And so Joe Biden focusing like a laser beam on what matters, Islamophobia, as always, because Americans, you know, we're the real problem. We're the real problem. He also made sure to point out that, um, he, that, that he lectured Israel again some more. So this discombobulated speech, it's it's super discombobulated. Again, a strong message would have been this. Israel is a democracy. Israel is a Jewish state. Israel deserves American support in the face of existential genocidal terrorism. Israel will have American support in the extermination of Hamas and everybody else better get the F off the line. Iran and its proxies, they're evil. And if they step off that line, they will get clocked so hard that they will not be able to walk in the morning. That's the message. Because that will push Iran off the ball and it will give Israel the space it needs to get rid of Hamas. That could have been the entire message last night. Instead, he decided to muddy the waters with tons about Ukraine and American Islamophobia and how he's going to lecture Israel about not making the mistakes of 9-11. By the way, those mistakes of 9-11, let me just point out, that did not include America's destruction of the Taliban and Al-Qaeda in Afghanistan. The reason he has to talk about the mistakes of 9-11 is because of his mistake in reversing all of the progress made in Afghanistan by abandoning the place to the Taliban. But here he was trying to pretend the big mistake of 9-11 was us, you know, trying to kill Osama bin Laden and go in and depose the Taliban. That was the big mistake. Like, what the hell is he talking about here? When I was in Israel yesterday, I uh, said that when America experienced the hell of 9-11, we felt enraged as well. While we sought and got justice, we made mistakes. So I cautioned the government of Israel not to be blinded by rage. Not to be blinded by rage. Go and take us take a long walk off a short pier, blinded by rage. Yeah, you're, you're right. That, that's that's the message Americans needed to hear after 9-11 also. When we watch 3,000 American citizens being slaughtered and people having to jump to their deaths from the 88th story to avoid being burned to death, probably what, what Americans really needed was a message of like, you know, take it a little easy, guys. Super insulting stuff. Now, not again, not everything the president said last night was bad. Him calling for the military aid to Israel is necessary. But the fact that he keeps muddying the waters In the Middle East, the only thing that matters is perception of strength. It is literally the only thing that matters. Moral suasion does not work in the Middle East. Appeals to Western notions of liberal enlightenment and the individual worth of every human being. Those are things that do not work in the Middle East. Pretending that they do is idiocy. And the fact that Biden keeps going back to that well, well, you know, if we just, if we force Israel to be kinder or make concessions to the Palestinians, if we give humanitarian aid to Gaza, that'll... Dude, you know what's going to stop Hezbollah from attacking? It ain't humanitarian aid to Gaza. What's going to stop Hezbollah from attacking in the north is the notion that if they do, Israel will be rearmed to the teeth and those American aircraft carriers are going to unleash their power on Hezbollah. That's going to stop 
Hezbollah from doing the thing in the first place. Again, it's Joe Biden hasn't has done a lot of good things since this conflict broke out. Last night's speech was definitely, definitely not one of them. In a second, we're going to get to the aid package that Joe Biden is pushing. Naturally, he's attempting to wrap everything up in a ball. Can't have a bill passing through Congress these days that isn't a crap sandwich. First, everyone here at the office loves the GenuCell Dark Spot Corrector. You might be asking what that product even does. Well, if you have sunspots, dark spots, discoloration, dry skin, the GenuCell Dark Spot Corrector will help those blemishes disappear. Kimberly from Youngstown, Ohio says, my appearance has improved so much since using GenuCell. I love all my GenuCell products. My skin looks younger. Well, you can feel like Kimberly as well. You have to hurry because the sale is ending soon. Now, how do I know that GenuCell works? Well, because I've used GenuCell for years. My parents, my wife, you know, GenuCell first advertised on a show that I was on in like 2013. And even after I wasn't on that show anymore, we just kept using the product because it's that good. Take advantage of GenuCell's most popular package. It includes the beloved Dark Spot Corrector. This package also includes GenuCell's classic under-eye treatment. You'll get all these products for almost 70% off. GenuCell is so confident in their product, you can try them for yourself completely risk-free. If you don't see immediate results, you will get your money back. It's simple. Go to GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. Start looking years, even decades younger tomorrow. Say hello to the best skin you've ever had at GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. Again, that is GenuCell.com slash Shapiro. GenuCell dot com slash Shapiro. Also, there's never been a better time to become a Daily Wire Plus member. We all know that the world feels like it's losing its moorings. Sometimes it feels like the left has taken over everything. What place is more important and more impactful than kids content? Well, we've all seen it. You not only find a kids show now that doesn't inject some wild left wing agenda, including the not so secret gay agenda that Disney promotes. We've had enough. But at the Daily Wire, we don't just complain about the culture. We actually fight back and build alternatives. That's why we launched our new kids company, Bent Key. It's an entirely new app with new episodes available every Saturday. My kids already love it. Last night, they were watching it and enjoying so many of the shows. It's really tremendous stuff. We are really, really proud of it. You can't build alternatives without you guys. So now with your Daily Wire Plus annual subscription, you get access to all the great content at The Daily Wire, plus all the amazing content at Benkey for your kids. If you think that's a fight worth joining, please join us. Get your membership right now. We've already invested tens of millions of dollars, but there's so much more to do. Stand with us as we build the future everyone wants to see. You can get Benkey now at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Also this Sunday, be on the lookout for a new episode of the Sunday special talking about the launch of Benkey with my best friend and co-founder of The Daily Wire, Jeremy Boring. It's terrific. Here's some of the trailer. A little over a year ago, those tapes from Chris Rufo leaked of what was going on inside Disney. And you said, we should do something. We should launch into kids content. I wrote you back and said, you don't know how to run a business. This is impossible. What you're, what you're suggesting could never possibly happen. And then I laid back in bed to go back to sleep for another 40 minutes. And as I sat there, I thought, damn it. <laughs> He's right. I drive into work. By now, our COO, John Lewis, is, is involved in the conversation. And we've decided that we're just going to do it. We're going to announce this initiative. We're going to change the direction of our company in a deeply profound way. This isn't launching chocolates. And so we decided we would host a live town hall that day. And I would announce it to the world while announcing to our staff, the Daily Wire was going to launch into kids entertainment with a $100 million commitment and that we were going to change the paradigm. And that's when the work started. It's always great to talk to Jeremy, even if he is lost somewhere in Europe. Listen to the whole conversation. Check it out on Sunday. Okay. Meanwhile, Joe Biden has put forward a bill. This bill is a $100 billion bill. Now, you might ask yourself, how much of that is actually going to support material aid for Israel, since that's what we're really talking about here? It's an emergency aid package for Israel. The answer is, of that $100 billion, $14 billion. $14. Now, listen, it may be that because the Republicans couldn't hit the side of the barn if they were trying to pee on it, that they have to vote for this thing. 
It, it may be that because Republicans don't even have a speaker, that the best available option because of the urgency of the situation and because Israel needs the aid like right the hell now, they need to be rearmed to destroy Hamas. They need to be rearmed to, to, to deter Hezbollah and prevent the region from spinning into a broader war, that there may not be a choice but to push for it, which again, just exposes Republican incompetence in not having a speaker of the House because if they had a Speaker of the House, you know what they could do? They could separate these into individual bills and force Democrats to vote no on Israel aid in order to get them to push an omnibus package, which would expose the real agenda here, which is the omnibus package. In any case, what Joe Biden is actually proposing is a $105 billion urgent funding request for the next year. It includes $60 billion for Ukraine. Now, remember, we've already spent $75 billion on Ukraine minimum. So $60 billion on Ukraine. A lot of that is for replenishing U.S. weapons stockpiles that have already been provided. $14 billion for Israel in the face of existential threat. $10 billion for humanitarian efforts. So you might ask yourself, what's that $10 billion for humanitarian efforts? I've been assured by members of Congress, that's for Gaza. So if you're worried about $100 million being given to Hamas right now in the middle of a terror war where they hold American citizens hostage, get ready for $10 billion to be given to completely unreliable sources in the Gaza Strip. Now, what we can hope is that at least some of the senators Republicans and Democrats in the Senate will actually prevent that aid from being deployed absent certain conditions in the bill. We can hope and pray because the idiotic idea of giving Israel $14 billion in military aid to destroy Hamas and then giving the people on the other side $10 billion to rebuild all of the terrorist infrastructure that Israel just destroyed is totally insane, totally crazy. Giving billions of dollars to the Palestinian Authority is totally nuts. That's totally nuts. Again, this bill is a total crap sandwich. Now, the best option and only option may be to vote for it because, again, Republicans have no leadership at all. But if they did have leadership, they would be separating these bills. $14 billion is in there for managing the U.S.-Mexico border and fighting fentanyl trafficking. $7 billion for the Indo-Pacific region, which includes Taiwan. So of that $105 billion, the actual amount that this bill should be, theoretically, is $35 billion. $14 bill for Israel, $14 bill for the U.S.-Mexico border, and $7 bill for Taiwan. That would be the stuff that is truly urgent right now. And when it comes to Ukraine, I'm not sure that you need a $60 billion allocation. Obviously, Joe Biden is trying to use Americans' goodwill for Israel to cram down significantly more aid for Ukraine in the form of like $60 more billion to Ukraine. Now, again, I'm in favor of more aid to Ukraine. I am. I'm not anti-aid to Ukraine. However, the situation in Ukraine is not anything remotely like the urgency of the situation with Israel. And so the fact that Biden is trying to wrap these two together in order to get his Ukraine aid it's pretty gross considering that, again, Americans are pretty split on the future of Ukraine aid absent a plan to exit that particular conflict. And Americans are not split at all on aid to Israel. So Biden is trying to use goodwill for Israel to cram through $60 billion in aid to Ukraine. That's what's happening right now. As I say, it may be that the only option is to vote for it because Republicans don't even have a, a speaker right now because of posturing idiots. But that is what Biden is trying to do. And it's a really, really cynical play. Speaking of White House stupidity, yesterday, the White House actually doxed American forces. Not kidding you. According to Fox News, the White House took serious heat on social media Thursday for posting an image of Joe Biden meeting with U.S. troops in Israel without obscuring their identities. The White House account deleted the photo soon after sharing it on Instagram, but Twitter slash X users were ripping Biden's team for the dangerous mistake because um, you know what you don't want is for terrorists who know what your soldiers look like. This is why Israel very often will obscure the names and identities and photos of its own soldiers in really dangerous areas because the minute the terrorists identify them, they try to kill them. So Joe Biden, once again, the, the White House doing an amazing job day by day over there. Meanwhile, speaking of the White House doing an amazing job, it appears that the American federal government is honeycombed with Hamas supporters. 
According to Huffington Post, a piece from Akbar Shahid Ahmed at the Huffington Post. He has a piece titled Mutiny Brewing Inside State Department over Israel-Palestine Policy. Morale is low, and some staffers are preparing to formally express their opposition to Joe Biden's approach, according to officials. Now, the State Department has always been a repository of Jew hatred and Arabist propaganda. Like, for as long as I'm alive, the State Department has been anti-Israel in the extreme. Like, forever. Now it's just coming to the fore. According to the Huffington Post, officials told HuffPost that Secretary of State Anthony Blinken and his most senior advisors are overlooking widespread internal frustration. Fine, fire them. So fire them. Seriously. It's what, Joe, it's what Donald Trump should have done. When he came in, he should have cleared out the State Department, fired every career staff, and replaced them with people who aren't garbage. Donald Trump didn't do that. It came back to bite him. So now Tony Blinken should do the same thing. Some department staff said they feel as if Blinken and his team are uninterested in their own experts' advice as they focus on supporting Israel's expanding operation in Gaza. There's basically a mutiny brewing within state at all levels, one State Department official said. Two officials told HuffPost diplomats are preparing what's called a dissent cable, a document criticizing American foreign policy that goes to the agency's leaders through a protected internal channel. Now, because it's supposed to be in a, an internal channel, it's supposed to be secret. So naturally, they're leaking it to the media to try and undermine Israel's war effort and America's support for that war effort. The cable would come in the wake of Josh Paul, a veteran State Department official, announcing his resignation on Wednesday. He said he could not morally support the U.S.'s moves to supply Israel's war effort. Quote, in the last 24 hours, I've been getting an immense amount of outreach from colleagues with really encouraging words of support. And a lot of people saying they feel the same way, and it's very difficult for them. That, of course, is the State Department official who just resigned. And he resigned because he supports Hamas in this war, effectively speaking. He doesn't want Israel rearmed. But don't worry. The entire federal government is honeycombed with people. More than 400 Capitol Hill staffers are apparently calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. Again, a, a Huffington Post writer named Rawida Abdelaziz. Apparently Muslim and Jewish congressional staffers. But by, by the way, what they get is a few token wild left Jews who are very interested in intersectionality to sign this sort of stuff. Ask them when's the last time they had a Shabbat meal? When's the last time they had a kosher meal? When's the last time they, they gave a crap about Israel? And wielding your ethnic Jewish identity in order to undermine Jewish safety all over the world is true garbage human being kind of stuff. And there are a lot of people doing it from not in our name to Jewish voices for peace to all the rest of these jokers. The letter, which HuffPost has learned, has been signed by 411 congressional staffers, comes as a small handful of members speak out against the Biden administration's approach to the conflict. The letter says nationwide and in Congress, the voices calling for de-escalation and peace have been drowned out by those beating the drums of war. As Muslims and Jews, we are tired of relieving, reliving generational fears of genocide and ethnic cleansing. Oh, are you? I'm sorry that you're tired. I'm sorry that you're tired of Jews defending themselves after 1,500 of them are murdered, raped, kidnapped. I'm sorry that that makes you feel very sad in your, in your cloistered sepulchers in the cherished halls of our Congress. I'm, uh, I'm so sad for you. You brave souls, you who won't even sign your letter by name. You're anonymously signing your letter, you pathetic specimens. And... Giant shock right there. Again, meanwhile, it is worth noting that the U.S. government actually hired a pro-Hamas PLO spokeswoman to handle asylum claims, according to the Daily Wire. There's an investigative report by Luke Rosiak a couple of days ago. The U.S. Immigration Enforcement Agency hired a spokeswoman for the PLO and put her in a position to determine who gets asylum, which seems kind of scary. Seems like she might be okay with giving asylum to people who hate Jews, for example, and hate America. Now the DHS officer is repeatedly posting pictures of Hamas terrorists parachuting in with guns and writing F Israel and any Jew who supports Israel. Nuja Ali worked in 2016 and 2017 as a public affairs officer for the Palestinian delegation to the U.S., which served as the PLO office in D.C. That office was then expelled from the country by the Trump administration. 
But good news, she then secured a job at DHS as an asylum officer. She is now an adjudication officer for the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, where she gets to determine who exactly gets to come in the country. That doesn't seem dangerous at all. She literally posted videos or pictures, graphics, of Hamasniks flying over Al-Aqsa with, a, uh, with, with hang gliders and guns to murder you know, dancers. She was working for DHS. She still is, so far as I'm aware. And obviously, you have members of Congress rushing to the defense of the Hamas caucus. Corey Bush, who's an adjunct member of the Hamas caucus yesterday, she tweeted out in defense of terror supporter Rashida Tlaib, quote, I denounce any action to censure Rashida Tlaib, the only Palestinian American in Congress. These Islamophobic and racist efforts are an attempt to discredit her perspective and scare those courageously speaking up for Palestinian human rights. Solidarity with my sister in service. Again, intersectionality is one hell of a drug. We'll get to more on the intersectional coalition in just one second. First, the Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university with a vibrant campus in beautiful Phoenix, Arizona. It's ranked top 20 in the country, according to niche.com. GCU is a missional, Christ-centered university that strives to foster a culture of community giving and impact. GCU's goal is to help you develop into a servant leader who makes a difference through finding your purpose. With 330 academic programs and over 270 online as of June 2023, GCU integrates the free market system with a welcoming Christian worldview into your bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree. You'll have support from your own university counselor who takes a personalized approach to helping you achieve your goals. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University Private Christian Affordable. Visit gcu.edu today. So speaking of the intersectional coalition, I think everyone is excited to hear from Greta Thunberg, the idiot woman child who uh, was trotted out by the media for years as the spokesperson on behalf of an entire generation. She uh, she tweeted out a photo of herself saying, week 270, today we strike in solidarity with Palestine and Gaza. The world needs to speak up and call for an immediate ceasefire, justice and freedom for Palestinians and all civilians affected. She has tweeted zero condemning Hamas, zero in support of Israeli civilians, zero. This is a picture of this moron holding a holding a card that says stand with Gaza. And behind her, there's a person holding a sign that says climate justice now with a picture of the Palestinian flag. Because obviously, if there's one group of people on planet Earth who cares deeply about environmentalism, it is the Palestinians. They, they love environmentalism, which is why they burn giant piles of trash in the West Bank without any regard for the environment. Damaging historic sites in the process. They, they love it. They love it. Why is that happening? That's happening because, again, the environmental movement, the radical environmental movement of which Greta Thunberg is an integral part, an integral cog. And she's an adult now, so I can make fun of her for being the complete dim-witted moron she always was. The, the fact that she was trotted out again as some sort of spokesperson for a generation says more about the generation and less about the, uh, the intelligence of the spokesperson. Shouting how dare you at cameras and yelling at adults. I understand that that's the left-wing substitute for actual thought. But the fact that she exposes herself day by day for the complete mental mentally defunct person she is and morally defunct person she is should tell you something. The reason for all of this is because the radical environmentalist movement was never, ever about the environment. It was never about that. It was about the idea that Western civilization is at root evil. And that's why environmentalists are siding with the Palestinians. That is why you are seeing BLM side with the Palestinians. That coalition is pretty damn telling. Again, the red-green axis, the communist Hamas axis is extraordinarily real and of course includes environmentalists as well. That, of course, has bled down into our schools because American schools, from high schools to colleges, have been infused with exactly the same level of amorality and moral relativism. Here is some video from a San Francisco high school. These are kids running through the halls in what appears to be the worst remake of high school musical ever. They're they are running through the halls wearing terror-supporting outfits and shouting, 
from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. I wonder how Jewish students in the school feel. Remember, safety and feelings of safety only apply if you are uh, if you are not Jewish, apparently, and not white. Those are those are the restrictions. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. By the way, is a genocidal slogan because uh, you may notice that the river is the Jordan River and the sea is the Mediterranean Sea. So they're talking for the. This is a slogan that calls for the mass slaughter of Jews. I, I always one of my favorite things is always seeing liberal-minded young women wearing tank tops standing for the Palestinians. See how that goes in Palestine, in Palestinian controlled territory. See how that goes for you. And it, the queers for Palestine routine is one of the most ridiculous routines ever. I saw actually a sign at my, um, at my speech there at university of Florida and it was the trans flag colors that said on it free Palestine. Yeah. Try that in the Gaza strip and see how that goes for you. Like that, that's all fun and games until they cut off your head. But again, it's not about that. They, they know that they know that they're not totally stupid. They understand that and they know that. And the reason that they're doing it is because, again, the coalition is about destroying institutions of the West and standing against the West. And then they'll figure out what to build afterward when they have to fight with each other. In fact, there were some 1,500 Bay Area students who walked out of school to demand a ceasefire because this is the generation that we have trained, which is you can be as ignorant and stupid as you want to be. And we'll treat you as a hero so long as you walk out of school. We have now created an entire system of students walking out of school to get less educated and be dumber. And we reward them. This is what BLM was all about. And now they're just going to carry that forward to whatever the next intersectional cause is. And today's intersectional cause is genocidal Jew-hating terrorists. Viva, viva Palestina. Remember, the coalition of the pseudo-oppressed they're going to rise up and strike down Western civilization. That's that's what this is. That's what this is. Meanwhile, it has, of course, bled up to our colleges as well. It's bled down from the colleges and bled up to the colleges as well. Yesterday, a UC Davis faculty advisor literally called for the murder of Jews. This was exciting stuff. This would be Gemma Di Cristo, assistant professor of American studies, undergraduate faculty advisor. She wrote, quote, one group of people we have easy access to in the U.S. is all these Zionist journalists who spread propaganda and misinformation. They have houses with addresses, kids in school. They can fear their bosses, but they should fear us more. Emoji of a knife, emoji of an axe, three emojis of blood drops. That is an assistant professor of American studies at a major American university sponsored by the state. Um, that is a threat of violence. That's like incitement to violence, obviously. But again, the, the question is why people feel comfortable to post that stuff. Right, not why people think evil things. People think evil things all the time. Why do they feel in university land that, it's, except, that it is acceptable to post all this stuff? And the answer is they feel it is acceptable because it is acceptable to post all this stuff. A faculty Senate statement put out by the staff at Penn is pushing back in favor of anti-Semitism. This is from the faculty Senate tri-chairs. Quote, as tri-chairs of the University of Pennsylvania faculty Senate, we write to affirm our commitment to freedom of thought, inquiry, and speech as foundational values of our university. They're talking here about support of Hamas. We stand in solidarity with all University of Pennsylvania faculty, staff, and students whose research, work, or study has been affected by the recent efforts of intimidation. By intimidation, they mean people who are pulling their money from University of Pennsylvania because they do not wish to subsidize terror support. Well, all this culminated in a Columbia professor last night going out to the lawn of Columbia and telling parents, stop sending your kids here and stop funding this university. My seven-year-old son is a legitimate target of resistance just because he's Israeli. My two-year-old daughter 
is a legitimate target of resistance. That is what they are selling. You are allowed to murder and kidnap my two-year-old daughter in the name of resistance. And none of the presidents of universities all around the country are willing to take a stand. This is what cowards do. And I'll name it now. President Minouche Shafiq of Columbia University, you are a coward. I want this to get to every, to every parent, every concerned mom, every concerned dad in around the United States. And I want you all tomorrow morning to call your kids college, your kids university, and ask them one simple question. Will you protect my child from pro-terror student organizations? And that will be the big question. That will be the big question. Now, again, American support for Israel overall is very high, but university campuses are a disaster area. They've been a disaster area for 20 years. I wrote a book in 2004. I was 20 years old talking about what a disaster area the university campuses were. And there was an entire chapter about the anti-Zionist, anti-Semitic garbage on college campuses. A lot of people laughed at that. They said, what, what does it matter what happens on college campuses? And the answer is they end up in the halls of power making policy for you and making the educational decisions for your kids. That's why it matters. And meanwhile, you know, it'd be super helpful at this point. I, I got to say, what would be really, really helpful at this point is if the Republicans had a speaker of the House. It might be really helpful. You might be able to actually impact policy on a lot of these issues. So good news, the Republicans, as always, are busily just kicking themselves in the nuts over and over and over. According to the Wall Street Journal, Republican speaker nominee, Representative Jim Jordan, was set to fall short in a third round of voting to secure the gavel on Friday morning, which means there is basically no one left to run for speaker of the House. And no prospect as to what the Speaker of the House is actually going to, to be able to do at this point. So this is all going perfectly well. I'm so glad that the Republicans initiated a circular firing squad in the middle of a very serious time. In the number of clowns in positions of power in this country, again, clownishness is all well and good and it's all well and fine up until the point where life gets very, very serious. Then it turns out that having clowns in charge of your country on every side is really bad policy and it costs lives. Presumably, this is one of the reasons why the polling is now showing, for example, that Joe Biden is lagging Donald Trump in a wide variety of swing states. He is down to Biden is down to Trump in Georgia by five. He's down by Trump to Arizona in four. He is down by two in Wisconsin. He is down by one in Pennsylvania. Now, remember, Trump would actually have to win all of those. Trump and Biden are tied in, in Michigan. Seems unlikely, but all of that very, very close. Now, again, it would behoove Republicans to think whether Trump is still the strongest candidate, given the fact that one of the big breaking news pieces here is that Sidney Powell, who you remember as the Kraken releasing lady, you remember that that crazy lady when he was talking about it was the voting machines that were hacked and all this kind of garbage. And everybody's like, she will. She's going to release the Kraken. Ah! All the idiots from from November 8th to uh, to January 6th. They were all, oh, my God, she, she's, she's about to release all the evidence that shows. Blah, blah. And not, none of it ever materialized. And then she ended up being sued into the ground. Well, now it turns out that she has cut a stunning plea deal in the Georgia election subversion case on the eve of her trial, which means she is now going to testify, presumably, against Donald Trump in that Georgia election trial. So that that all is going to be wonderful. What could she testify about? Well, she did attend a White House meeting in December of 2020, where some of Trump's most extreme supporters encouraged him to name her as a special counsel to investigate supposed voter fraud. Michael Flynn was there, so was Rudy. 
The plea documents make clear she's expected to testify about her direct involvement in the breach of election systems in Coffee County, Georgia as well, and what exactly Trump was doing and how he was involved. None of this is good news for Trump. In a serious time, serious candidates would be a very, very good thing. All right, coming up, we're going to be joined by IDF Major General Yaakov Amidror. He's formerly the NSA to the Prime Minister of Israel. He's going to give us the latest from the ground over there. If you're not a member, become a member. Use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click that link in the description and join us. 